So the reading is Colossians chapter 1, um, reading verses 1 to 14. If you're following along in the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1,251. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I thought John was going to preach just then. He walked up. Oh, come on, John. Um, <laughs> hey, um, I'm going to shoot up an arrow prayer. Here we go. Let's pray. Father, uh, we ask now that we would be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Amen. Well, I'm going to start this morning by saying sorry. Hey, the service has been really great, hasn't it? You know, it's been encouraging, the worship's been really good. Um, and I know that you've come to be encouraged and maybe even challenged, but sorry. I actually want you to think about your problems. And sorry. I don't have a magic wand to fix all your problems. Believe me, if I had one, I'd first use it on myself. Selfish as I am. Sorry. I guess I'm like most of you. I have many problems. Family problems, church problems, personal problems, health problems, money problems. Problems with my faith, problems with my work at the hospital. In fact, life isn't perfect. Even as a Christian, life isn't perfect. God, Jesus, he hasn't yet 
solved all my problems. In fact, I'm going to say God created most of my problems. You know, think about it. God cursed the world. You know, that made work problematic. You know, thorns and thistles and by the sweat on my face. And even in Jesus, God doesn't take away those problems from me. God's curse brought death into the world. And my health problems are building up to death. And so, yes, God created most of my problems. And because these are problems of the world, and I live in this world, I have to face these problems. But I get to face them with God at my side. And yes, I get to pray about these problems. And again, sorry. Prayer doesn't guarantee the removal of these problems. And no, even if you prayed in Latin or Hebrew or Greek, that doesn't make your prayer more effective or successful. You see it in the movies, don't you? You know, to remove unwanted spirits, all you need to do is talk to them in Latin or throw some salt over your shoulder. If only it was that simple. And the Colossians. The Colossians have problems. More than one, actually. And Paul's opening prayer addresses some of their problems. Paul's, Paul usually opens his letters with a prayer. And his prayers are usually connected to the real life issues and situations his readers are facing. For the Colossians, they're actually wondering if the message they've heard from Epaphras is true and real. Or have they only been told part of the truth? Is there more wisdom for life to be found somewhere else? Maybe to be found in angels. Maybe to be found in other philosophies. Now that they're Christians, should they get their children circumcised? And this morning, we're going to have a bit of a look at Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Over this term, we're growing in prayer together as a church family. And the picture up on the screen is the usual picture that we show you. We're talking about faith out loud. Our belief in God and our trust in him as our loving Heavenly Father put into action and given words, the words of prayers. And over the last couple of weeks, we've seen one of the tools we can use to remind us about all the ways we can come and talk to God. And that tool is the word acts. And it's just up on your screen there too. 
It's not to be a straitjacket for our prayers, but a helpful reminder of all we should talk to God about. We've seen that our prayer can and should include adoration, praising God in worship and love for who he is. It should include confessing our sins to God honestly, freely and confidently because of his great mercy to us in Jesus and the giving of thanks to our heavenly dad for the joys and pleasures in our lives. And today, today we're looking at the last letter in that, supplication. So let's dive in then to Paul's prayer here for the Colossians. And as we do, I want you to notice a couple of things. Paul's praying for people that he's never actually met here. Now open your Bibles, have a look, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. And this is part of the problem for the Colossians. They've heard the message of the gospel of Jesus secondhand. You know, Paul, he was the official evangelist to the Gentiles. But the Colossians heard the message from Epaphras. And so Paul says to these Colossians, he's prayed unceasingly for them since he was made aware of their existence, verse 9. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And notice that what Paul goes on to pray for the Colossians is actually linked to what he's already said. Paul said something and then says, and so, because... Well, what's Paul already said? Paul's already said thanks to his heavenly dad. Paul links thanks to the request that he's going to make after verse 9, or in verse 9 and afterwards. It's a bit like, remember Josh? He said that uh, thanks is linked to adoration. So, so now we're going to see that thanks is also linked to supplication. And I wonder, do you do that in your prayers? Are the elements of your prayers linked? Or are they just random things that come to your mind? You know, when we praise a church, are the elements of our prayers linked? Well, let's go back to the start of Paul's prayer for the Colossians, a prayer which starts with thanks. Thanks to God for their fruit is a way of summarising this. It's a regular and constant prayer that Paul utters for them. We always thank God for you, he says in verse 3, because we've heard of, well, two things, really. Two things that mean... That as a church, they're being faithful to God and fruitful. There in verse 4, we thank God for your obvious faith in Christ Jesus and we're thanking God for the way in which you love one another. And that 
faith and that love are clearly fruits of the gospel. Rob talked about fruits of the gospel a little while ago, didn't he? And take a look at Paul's logic here, though. There's another fruit that you can pick up here as well. It's in verse 5. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you. There's actually a bit of a chain here and sometimes it's handy to work the chain backwards. It's the gospel they've heard that produces a heavenly hope that branches out and produces faith in Jesus and love for all the saints. Do you see that? Which now gives three kinds of fruit, really. Hope, faith and love. Well, that's the big three, isn't it? And the Colossians have this fruit. They've got it from the word of truth. They can be confident, actually, that they've got the truth. They can be confident that they got the truth of the gospel of Jesus. This same gospel that has come to the Colossians has gone out into all the world. This same gospel that Paul preaches as the evangelist, Epaphras has preached to them. That's why it's bearing the same fruit. They haven't got a second-hand distorted message. Verse 6. This is Paul, what Paul is thankful for. The gospel which has come to you, as indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The Colossians, they should be confident that they have the truth. Paul's addressed one of their problems and even in this case solved one of their problems. There's no more wisdom they need for life. They don't need to worship angels. They don't need other philosophies of life. And yes, Paul approves of Epaphras, verse 7. Yes, what they learned from Epaphras gave the Holy Spirit to them and the fruit of the Spirit is seen in their lives. Verse 8. And at least initially we should be asking, is that how it is with us? Do other Christians give thanks for us? Is our faith, love, and hope causing other Christians to constantly give thanks for us? Uh, that's a good question, isn't it? That's a, uh, that's a serious, heart-searching question. And, and so in verse 9, Paul links the kind of things that he's given thanks for to the kind of things he's requesting his supplication or petition. Paul's thankful that they've learned the truth of the grace of God in the gospel of Jesus and now Paul wants them to keep learning until they're 
filled with the knowledge of God's will. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, now look, Paul isn't talking about seeking God's will for who I should marry when he's talking about God's will here. No, Paul's talking about God's revealed will. He's talking about things like believing in Jesus and living godly lives. And we should be filled with those things. And there's more in verse 10. Because he says he's praying for them to be so full of the knowledge of God that they'll... Well, he's not praying that they'll be able to write commentaries. But he's praying that they would be so full of the knowledge of God that they'll, verse 10, be worthy workers. Sorry, worthy walkers. I've got to straighten my tongue out, haven't I? <laughs> hey, look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. How do you be a worthy walker? Four things. Four more supplications to finish. Look at the words that end in I-N-G. The ing words. End of verse 10. Bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. And we've come back to knowing the Lord, haven't we? It's good prayer. Verse 11. Being strengthened with all power. And you need this strength so that you'll have great endurance and patience because, well, life's problems are tough. You need endurance and patience, don't you? Instead of an inward and... L-Y word, an early word. Joyfully, he says, the giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. There's actually quite a list here, and we're, we're going to make that list. Um, the guys want to just flick on to the next screen. Of course, if it was Josh up here, he'd have a spreadsheet, but... I just do lists. And yes, for those who want to know, there's even apps which help you with uh, lists like Acts, with lists like, um, like this list here. One of the um, apps that does this really well is an app called Prayer Mate, but more about Prayer Mate another time. Uh, here's what flows out of the gospel. The truth of the grace of God in the gospel of Jesus. Uh, we've just been past some thanksgiving things. Heavenly hope, faith in Jesus, love for one another. But now, now here's, here's the petition things, the requesting things. The things that Paul, well, he believes comes out of the thanksgiving hope and faith and love, being filled with the knowledge of his will and walking worthy to please the Lord. And the things which please the Lord when we walk worthy are
bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in knowledge, being strengthened for endurance and patience, joyful thanksgiving. So as you, as you look at that list up there, is this what you pray for when you pray for yourself and others? The folk you know and even the folk you don't know but have heard about, other churches maybe. You know, when you add in the thanksgiving with the petition, there, there are nine things that I'm suggesting should be highest in your priorities when you pray for others. If you stop and examine yourself, are these your prayers? And perhaps even more difficult, if you look around the church, if you've been to the pre-church prayer meeting, are these the sorts of prayers you hear prayed? Epaphras was one of the Colossians. He told Paul all about the Colossians. And after Paul heard about their lives and their work, there are things in the letter later on that talks about family and masters and slaves. So after Paul heard about their lives, their work and their church, then these are the prayers that Paul thought were the most important. I'm actually surprised to find most of the prayers I pray are not here. It seems as if Paul prays with a godly view of life and family and church. It's a view that perhaps I need that I don't have. So, so I want to chew over these things just a bit. I want to meditate on the word a little bit. Give it some careful consideration here and now. Let's do this together. My prayers for myself and for others usually are for good health, recovery from illness, safety on the road, success in exams, that my children will be drawn closer to the Lord. But Paul's prayers don't seem to mention those things. Yet praying that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will is a prayer that, well, yes, that you would know the gospel. It's a prayer that my wife and children would be saved and know of the hope and the faith and the love which they have or at least should have in Jesus. Isn't it? It's, it's actually a very specific prayer which asks for the gospel, salvation and discipleship to be present in our lives. And when you think about it, it's a bit like praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Isn't it? Okay, so what about praying for good health and recovery from illness? Or what about praying for my work? Look, yes, it's true. I don't see a prayer here for healing. 
or that the boss would get off my back. Yet, yet bearing fruit in every good work is something which can apply to work, can't it? Do I show the fruit of the gospel and the fruit of the spirit at work? I should, shouldn't I? Do I show those things there? I should also display these things when I'm sick and in hospital, shouldn't I? And being strengthened for endurance and patience applies to living out our faith when oppressed by sickness or oppressed by masters. Work often has need for endurance and patience and the way in which we live our faith at work. And sickness often has need of endurance and patience and the way we live our faith when we're sick. This is a prayer which acknowledges the godly response we should have to ill health or oppressive bosses. Now look, if you're still concerned about whether you should pray for healing, well then, let's do a bit of a Bible flick. I've got two verses for you. You've got to go to the end of your Bible, James. James chapter 5. Quick flick over, James chapter 5. Just after the book of Hebrews, definitely before Revelation. James chapter 5, look at verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Yep, we should pray for sick people. Even do things to help them. Even pray for their healing. In case you're wondering specifically about that, look at... 3 John. Again, just keep turning towards Revelation. Go past Peter. Go past John. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 3rd John, look at verse 2. Here's John. He's writing to uh, a friend of his. Beloved, he says in verse 2. I pray that all may go well with you. That almost sounds like some of my prayers. I'm glad about that. And that you may be in good health. There's his prayer for good health. As it goes well with your soul. Prayer for their soul too. And so look, when you stop, when you look at that list that's up there, when you look at what Paul's got in his letter to the Colossians and all these prayers, this isn't some pie-in-the-sky prayer that has nothing to do with everyday life. These are really practical prayers for everyday life, for real-life issues and situations that we face, that we still face. You know, I think we fall down in our prayers because we become narrow and fixated in our prayers. 
We pray for healing again and again and again. But we fail to pray for anything else. We fail to pray that in our illnesses that we would be filled with the knowledge of God or that we continue to walk worthy with the Lord in our illness. They're important prayers, even for the sick, aren't they? That the nursing staff and the doctors would see evidence of joyful thanksgiving from Christians who are sick. And that the nursing staff would see Christians really love one another. Aren't they important prayers, even for the sick? And these are prayers that we should pray for our church as well, aren't they? We should be praying for joyful thanksgiving in church. We, we've done some of that. It's been good. And a visible love for all the saints. But friends, this morning, what I'm really doing is I'm asking you to examine your hearts. Yes, we should live life talking to the Lord. And yes, we should send up arrow prayers. But this term, we're not just encouraging you to pray, we're encouraging you to grow in prayer. And so we should spend time crafting prayers, thinking through our requests, working out what's really important in life and in work and in church. And I'd say that we'll heavenly hope and faith in Jesus and love for each other, lives pleasing to God and genuine thanksgiving are hugely important in life, in work and in church. They're grounded in the gospel. We need to have that gospel grounding, which is why we need to, well, grow in our knowledge of God. Another useful sort of prayer, isn't it? And once you're grounded in the gospel, then you should be praying for yourself and others. And yes, we do want the best for family and friends. And so we need to take to heart that the best thing, the best thing, in their situations is, well, verses 9 and 10. Be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so this morning, I'm asking you, make these things a priority in your prayers. I'm asking you to continue in prayer. Be constant in prayer. I'm asking you to pray for your troubles, yes. And even asking, as we've been past, 
to recognise that the Holy Spirit groans with you as you groan in your troubles. And if your prayer isn't quite right, he will put it right. And I'm asking you to allow God to say no to your prayers. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it. You know, Jesus in the garden, Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Uh, no, Jesus, we're not doing that. No's a legitimate answer to prayer. We need to allow God to say no to us sometimes. I'm asking you not just to totally change your prayers, but to build into your prayers these things. Build into your prayers thanksgiving. Thanks for heavenly hope and faith in Jesus and love for one another. Build it into your prayers. I'm asking you to build into your prayers a prayer that you and others would be filled with the knowledge of God. His revealed will, the gospel, the word of God. That you would day to day walk worthy to please him. You and others. And that means praying for bearing fruit in every good work. Praying for increasing in the knowledge. Praying for being strengthened for endurance and patience. Maybe not taking it away, but endurance and patience. And to be joyful in all of the things that God has given to you. That's what I'm asking of you now. Let me pray. Father, as Paul prayed for the Colossians, I'm certain that he was praying for me with that prayer as well. Somebody he didn't know. I'm thankful, Father, for those who have prayed for me, who continue to pray for me. Father, may all of us be people who continue in prayer for one another. May we pray, Father, for all of the things of life and give them over to you. But may we also, Father, see the things that are really important in life. Heavenly hope, faith in Jesus, love for one another, being filled with the knowledge of God and walking in a way pleasing to him. May these things, Father, Fill our prayers, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.